Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. We've gotta be the body to rock it like we're never gonna see it again. We are exploding, the world is gonna know it. We we'll rock it like you're never gonna see us again. Come on over. Come on over. Good evening and happy new year. It is eleven PM straight up and pure gold is live on the air for this January sixteenth, twenty twenty one. Where we do it all over again, and again, and again. I am JB, and to my far, 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 far left is my friend and co-host DG. DG, how are you? Well, first of all, um, no, not far left. It'd be far right, if anything. And I'm doing good, sir. Just here, ready, willing, and able, uh, ready, willing, and able to uh, have another amazing show, Pure Gold. All right, our first one of the new year. Which is good. I mean, we're, we've tried to get the show on track, or at least somewhat on track, someone's track. I mean, at some point, it just kind of feels like we're doing this. And that was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. We threw that game. We gave it away by doing that. We gave them the friggin' game. In my opinion, that sucked. <laughs> but, you know, it is January, and we are doing an episode, so we are on a good pace compared to the previous oh, yeah. couple of years that we've well, had. Compared- so. Compared to 2020, absolutely. I mean, since we're since we're talking about that, I'm just gonna do a little. I'm gonna do a little fact finding mission, right? So sure. our first episode of 2020 was in November, which is amazing. Wow, <laughs> which is amazing. Oh, uh, and then in 2019, our first episode, our our only episode. Did you know that? I know we've probably talked about this when we did the 20 the 20th anniversary. The ten year anniversary. We only did one episode in all of twenty nineteen. Did you know that? Was that like in uh April? Yeah, it was in April. And then in twenty eighteen our first show oh well now we're back on track because in twenty eighteen our first show was also ironically, you're not even gonna believe this. Do you know what the date was that we did our first show in January of twenty eighteen? Don't tell me January sixteenth. Yep, January sixteenth. We interviewed Wells Guthrie from ESPN Chattanooga, which is unbelievable. Ironically, I think it's the last time we actually had a guest on the show. But that's insane, sir. You really It's been two years to the day that we had our first show. So we're pretty much on pace with 2018. And in 2018, we did uh, one in January, one in February, one in March, one in April, one in May. And then we didn't do it again until April of the following year. Wow. So, yeah, we're on wow. a good pace. We're doing awesome. Very good pace. <laughs> well, tonight we got an action-packed oh, yeah. show. I mean, we got a lot to talk about uh, in the wrestling world. Not so much, except for the the, the death of a wrestling um, not icon, but a wrestling um, guy that I 
grew to know a lot more after he passed away. I didn't know how, as much as I did about John Huber, so we'll touch upon him. We'll touch upon the Mets and the hot stove that they're um, they're doing this off season, and uh, you know we're just loving oh, yeah. it as Mets fans. Talk about Mr. The President of the United States, Trump, who's leaving office in a couple of days. We'll touch on some censorship that's going on in this country, and um, yeah, some other wrestling tidbits I want to go through with you, but. Uh, Unfortunately, I mean, I hate to start 2021 with a sad note, but, geez, uh, what happened in December, I believe, we, we found out, you found out the passing of a one John Huber, a.k.a. Brody Lee, a.k.a. Luke Harper. Uh, what a shame. I, I didn't know him as much as I did, like I said, until people started talking about him. I mean, you obviously knew him when he was in the WWE as Luke Harper, right? Right. I just didn't know how good of a family man he was, I meant. Oh, well, the thing is, like, obviously, sometimes I've, I've been doing it less lately, but I listen to Busted Open, and they talk about him all the time. And one of the things that always um, stood out to me is that whenever Bully, a.k.a. Bubba Ray, would talk about him, he would talk about what a talent he was, but his main thing was that he was safe in the ring. And to me, as an outsider looking into the wrestling business, that has got to be the biggest compliment that you can pay somebody because he said that everybody wanted to work with him because he was that good. And and nobody, I mean, to this day, and unfortunately, you know, obviously he passed away, like you said. Um, but I don't, I've never heard a bad word spoken about him. I mean, with Shawn Michaels, you've heard that he was a real difficult guy to deal with before he he became a Christian. With Bret Hart, you see the whining and the complaining, which he's been doing for years, and he was difficult to deal with in certain areas. Not like Shawn, but, you know, you got all oh, Goldberg five moves, or, you know, he's reckless, or this and that. You know, Hogan was a politician. Uh I mean, eh, Flair, I mean, I guess really you don't hear a ton of bad stuff about Flair, but I'm sure he had his issues. But with Brody, a.k.a. Luke, a.k.a. John, it's just all good, all great, all wonderful. I mean, people talking about how great a guy he was. The main thing was his family. He loved his kids. And obviously when people pass away, you always hear good stuff about them. But with him, and, you know, reading, watching videos and stuff and listening to the show, it, it just seemed so above and beyond that they all said the same thing. They all, like, across the board, from WWE to the Indies to Impact to AEW, people that knew him, I mean, they all adored him. They absolutely adored him. And it was just, it's in unison. I mean, every single talent that has said a word about him is glowing, absolutely glowing. And it makes me sad as a dad of, you know, having small children. But um, I liked his work. I thought he was good. I thought he was underutilized in the, in the WWE. I remember one of the times when he came back and he, uh, forget if it was a big boot or something. He was on the outside of the match, I think, where Rowan was wrestling. And he either, like, clotheslined or big booted somebody. And he would shake his head. And there was just this rush you can tell that was in his eyes, uh, the, the joy he got from performing. But I just remember that moment. And I was like, man, you know, I'm glad to see him back. But obviously things did not work out for him in, uh, you know, in terms of uh, the WWE. But, yes, yeah, sir, it, it's it's a real shame. It's definitely sad, and uh, it's just, again, amazingly, just seemed like such a good guy on every level, which is not something you hear about in the wrestling business, sir. When, you know, when you find out that he died of uh, something lung-related, you automatically nowadays, especially, think about COVID and all that, but it wasn't COVID, so it was strange to find out that he died some lung, either lung failure or something with his lungs, but it wasn't COVID-related. Well... Every time you see, you know, you see it coming up and you see people talking about it, it's always mentioned is uh, he died non-COVID-related lung issue. 
apparently his lung, his situation was so bad, he needed to have a double lung transplant. And, um, I mean, he was in, from what I read, he was in real bad shape and everybody knew it around him. And it just, it was kind of just a matter of time. Obviously we're not privy to that kind of stuff, but a real shame, sir. And again, a guy who I thought could have gone a lot further than WWE, who they, they, honestly, there's no doubt in my mind. They missed the boat on him. They really did. This is a guy who I'm not saying he should have been WWE champ or anything, but honestly, considering some of the guys who've held that title, why not? But I just think they really dropped the ball with him, sir. Yeah. To me, he really was to me. I mean, I didn't know about his health, but to me, when he was in the WWE, he was always a mid-carder. I never knew. I never thought he would make it big time. It looked like he was stuck as either uh, teaming up with uh, Eric Rowan or, you know, in and out of the Bray Wyatt family for some reason. It wasn't until he got to AEW when he started the Dark, uh, was in charge of the Dark Order. Um, that's where he was really becoming big, and I think he would have been a future AEW world champion, to be honest with you. Oh, absolutely. I think he would have definitely won the AEW title. There's no, there's no doubt about that. So, um, just speaking, I mean, since we're starting on a, it's ironic, we're, you know, it's the first episode, it's supposed to be upbeat, but another death that, you know, wasn't surprising, but still sad, nonetheless, was the, because I watch it usually right after we have dinner, we will watch an episode of Jeopardy, and uh, the passing of Alex Trebek, I mean, Alex Trebek, I've been watching Jeopardy my whole life, pretty much, and he's been the only host of Jeopardy, and to to see his passing is also another sad note here on PG. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the guy was an icon, a legend, you know, uh, a great guy by all intents and purposes. And just really, you know, it's a shame, sir. It's an absolute shame that uh, that he died. I mean, obviously, he was dealing with cancer for for years, you know, so he was dealing with that. And it's just uh, it's good that, uh, you know, his suffering is over, so to speak. But, you know, I always – celebrity deaths don't always hit me so hard. Um, the Brody Lee one really got me. Because I just want because of the age, and he's 41 years old. He's two years older than me, and um, I looked a lot older, but two years older than me. And I'm like, you know, thinking about his kids and stuff. But with yeah. Alex, I mean, Alex lived such a long life, and he was around for mm-hmm. such a long time. It, regardless of what, it's a shame, but it's kind of a different shame. Ironically, though, sir, um, you know who's still alive and kicking and uh, celebrating her 99th birthday tomorrow? Would that be a Miss Betty White? Yes, sir. Ninety-nine years old, the incomparable Betty White. And I don't, I don't know if you remember. You probably do. I know, I know I do because we went to high school together. But Laura Jean Salerno, one of our uh, esteemed guests in the past, she yeah. actually worked with Betty and she talked about her on the show. And she just what an amazing woman she was, how great she was to the talent, how nice she was, and you know, I guess kind of we're we're shifting in a more positive direction in, in this instance, sir. Yeah, I mean, as we get out of the grim news that uh, we started the show with, uh, yeah, Betty White, happy, healthy, 99th birthday to you. Um, I, I know she's in, um, you know, she's up there in age, but I hear she's in good shape and good spirit. So wish her a happy, healthy birthday as we start 2021. Um, many more years to come for her. Um, so as we, oh, as yeah, we get out. Sure. Another 99 at least. <laughs> at least. <laughs> um, speaking of just, you know, nuggets while we uh, – before we get to the Mets talk, hot stove Mets talk, uh, other nuggets going on. I just, um, I just feel that you know, with the, um, you know, the election that happened back in November third, and the fact that you know it wasn't as um, up on the up and up as we uh, both know. 
to have uh, a new president come into inauguration on Wednesday and all the things that happened. It's funny that 2021, people think that, you know, you turn the page from 2020 and 2021 is going to be much better. So far, 2021 has not gone off to the best starts. I mean, you look at what happened on January 6th. This is basically 2020, the sequel, sir. The sequel, except worse, because... Uh, you know, we're having our capital rioted and, and, and broken into and taken over by some rioters and, and some people that pretend to be Trump supporters. There's no way right. that Trump supporters would be breaking into the White House. I mean, not the White House, but the cap, the Capitol building. I well, mean, w- one of the things that you mentioned, right, is as far as the whole thing with, uh, with what's going on Wednesday, you know, we talk about, like, uh, the, the incoming administration, outgoing administration, et cetera, et cetera. And you talk about this this whole situation, like, you know, the, the Biden uh, stimulus plan that they've thrown out there. What's interesting, right, is that Biden's already walking back some of the, his claims that he made that he was going to do when he got elected. And one of them is, um, you know, there was supposed to be a $2,000 stimulus payment to the American people. Well, yep. now they're saying that we already got 600 so they're just going to hit us <laughs> with 1400 So they're, they're going – it's 2000 total. It's not 2000 extra. So that that's interesting. And people yep. are already like, wait, are you serious? So, so that's good. That, that's good stuff there. I'm guessing you're, you and your family already got your stimulus for 600 per person in your household. Oh, uh, we did, and we uh, we blew through it on, uh, on painkillers <laughs> and morphine and and booze. It was great, sir. That's great. Loved it. Uh, by the way, the, the office of the president-elect. What, what a joke that is. But anyway, continue, sir. What a joke? You're right. I, I just want to touch upon that because the fact that we're on the air right now. And who knows if we're ever going to be pulled. You know, you never know who's listening on the show, if it's like the far left, the far right. But if the far left is listening, uh, I'm sure that we'll be, our, our, um, our show will be plug, pulled uh, anytime soon. It will be canceled forever because what's happening now in the world, especially the con- this, you, this country, is um, it's terrible. We're losing our freedom of speech. We're losing um, just the right to voice our opinions. And the fact that social media and big tech are now controlling what – where we say what, or how we say it, and they decide if it's good or not to be on their their platform. It's just crazy. I just I, I the freedom of speech is just losing that is just crazy right now. I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting. All these people who are cheering the fact that um, Trump got banned from. What's interesting to me about the ban, right, is that he was banned from places that didn't even make sense, like Shopify, Spotify, like. Or, I saw this one great tweet. It was like, uh, what are they afraid Trump is going to listen to? I have the tiger and get riled up. Like, I don't understand. He was getting banned from, from Twitch. He was getting banned from Pinterest. I mean, it just, it goes to show that there, there is a definite, uh, in that sense, a monopoly of collusion or whatever, because that one made no sense. And they were waiting for him for the, the six to pass or whatever to say, well, the election is certified. There's no way Trump is going to stay in office. Now we're going to ban him. And it, it's just crazy to me that that's the route that they went. But, like, instantly, it just went from, you know, the, pre- the, the at first, for months, they were – every single one of his tweets was, you know, there's no election for approval. Why they felt the need to do that and why they were censoring the president in that way bothered me, regardless of who's in office. And then Trump is no longer – there's uh, there's supposedly there's no chance of him, you know, being president again. So then he gets kicked off all these platforms, which, you know, in unison, which is crazy to me. And people are cheering and think it's the greatest thing in the world, and they don't realize that with censorship, if they can censor the president of the United States on social media, how, what could they not do to you? They could just erase your, your digital imprint.
They can erase your account. They can do anything that they wanted to. And people think it's the greatest thing in the world because they hate Trump, and it's just sad to me. Well, the thing is, like, didn't we spend the last four years uh, being Trump supporters as we are and watching all the different, like, things that were posted on either Facebook or Twitter about how they want to kill the president and how – it was so vindictive, and it's amazing how those those posts and those things that were on social media weren't censored or blocked or whatever, banned for life, yet the president um, still feels that he's been cheated out of an election that he fairly won – um, all of a sudden is censored for just two posts that really don't really incite anything except, you know, his opinion on why he feels he won the election. Right. Well, the riot thing, the fact that they're saying he incited a riot when he clearly said in multiple posts that he wasn't, um, you know, to, to be peaceful, peaceful protests and blah, blah, blah. He said, you know, go home. Um, we got, we're the party of law and order. We have to respect the police. I mean, he was very clearly not telling them to riot. And, and when you look at all of his – when this is the way the media works, and people just don't get it. When you look at all of his past rallies, and he had a lot of them, there was never any violence. But in this case, in this one instance, all of a sudden there's this random violence. And then you see the videos of the police allowing people moving the barricades. There's just so much stuff going on there. It's fishy. Because then you go and look, and they were kissing his fanny, as uh, Chris Russo would say. Um, they were kissing Trump's fanny uh, big time, you know. And that guy on our show, I would love to do a show with him in character for like an hour, or just get Mike from Mayapak to call, where he could be uh, Mike and the Mad Dog just on our show, and we could just sit back and call it. Be like, hey, I'm like, uh, dog, I have a question. First time, long time, and we just call in, and he would just respond to whatever we said. That would be a good show, actually. But anyway, um, when you look at the whole thing with with what I was saying as far as as far as this goes, it's just sir, it's crazy to me. It's crazy that people think that it's okay, and it's crazy that you know um, the, 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 what happened on the sixth, and then seven to, to the day, seven days later, he gets impeached again for a second time. No, just rushed a super rushed impeachment because they wanted to just kick him, give him one final kick on the way out the door, which is absolutely asinine to me. But people love it and think it's the greatest thing ever. There's, there's no way you can prove that he incited a riot. But then you look at what Democrats have said over the summer. Oh, you know, Maxine Waters, like, get in their face. Let them know they're not welcome. You know, uh, people saying, like, well, you know, there should be unrest in the streets and blah, blah, blah. But that's okay. But Trump telling people that, you know, there's something wrong with this election or whatever, that's bad and that's inciting a riot. It's just people believe whatever they're told, and it's, it's it's a scary time in the country for that reason alone, sir. Yeah, I was going to say, if things didn't get any worse from January 6th, they decided that the far left decided to rush a, a sham of an impeachment and impeach the president one more time when he only had a few days left in office, just basically just to shame him and be the only president to be impeached twice. But uh, to be honest with you, um, I saw a post uh, from someone saying that it was so illegal to impeach a president because they, I, I believe the basis of this impeachment, this this fake sham of impeachment, was based on the fact that they they said that Trump incited them on his speech where he yep. was talking on January sixth. That's it, right? That's all Except, it was with, with no, yeah. with wait, right. hold on, but with no proof of any kind. But because of that, that's why they impeached him. Right. So then now, because they rushed to, to impeach, because they want to shame him, now it's coming out that there was actually information or leaked, uh, there was suspicion that there was going to be um, there's these rioters and these looters or whatever you want to call them were going to attack the Capitol building. So the, the FBI knew this like a couple of days before. So you can't say that Trump's speech 
was the reason why these people incited and, and decided to go storm the Capitol building. Well, I mean, they were talking about, they were talking about, um, that, you know, there's stuff you, you know, and you can't believe everything you see online, but there was one thing I saw that one, one, one of the ladies who, uh, in the Congress who was trying to who drew up articles of impeachment, she was talking about his speech and setting a riot and, and the date, on the letter was dated the day before the speech ever happened and the riot ever happened. So there, there's a lot of funny and shady stuff there, but people, like I said, they believe whatever they want. And I mean, it, I don't know. It's just crazy because there's no sort of thought process at all that goes into it. People just believe anything. And it, you know, it goes for both sides of the spectrum, but honestly, you see it on the left a lot. And I mean, all I can say, honestly, when it comes to like Pelosi and Gavin Newsom and all these other people who basically, um, you know, they're they're attacking the president. Is Go to hell! Exactly. <laughs> so that so that's how I feel about that, sir. Um, but anyway, you know, what's the footnote? That's the thing that gets me is that people think it's so great. Oh, he got impeached. He got impeached. Trump this, Trump that. Like really, that's where we're going. But I mean, we, you know, we we could spend all day on that. But we we just uh, you know, it is what it is, and I just can't believe Joe Biden's actually been president. Well, the footnote of all this is that the fact that there was a runoff election in Georgia that was going to decide who runs or who has control of the Senate, and then if the Democrats had won that those two seats uh, with the runoff in Georgia, then they would control all three branches, the judicial, the, the executive, and the legislative. So they, they they did win the election, which, again, to be honest with you, that, wait, that wait, was wait. also <laughs> – Hold on a second. <laughs> Did you really just say? Did you really just say that if the Democrats won the Georgia runoff, they were going to control the judicial, the legislative, and the executive? Are you on drugs? What? What is? Oh, where am I forgetting? You're talking. You're talking about the presidency, Congress, and the Senate. You moron! Not not the the judicial branch. Yeah, because if if Raphael uh, Warnock and uh, John Ossoff got elected in Georgia as senators. Somehow that gives the Democrats the the it gives them the judicial branch of government. Are you on drugs or or what is wrong with you, sir? Yeah, but you didn't hear that. It's only a matter of time before they pack the courts and they they increase the number of Supreme Court justices now and all that good stuff. Yes, but that that hasn't happened yet. So you can't say that they got they somehow got the judicial look. Look, we could talk about this for hours. Bottom line is, we we talk about politics in the show sometimes, and it is what it is, but. Um, there's yeah. a lot more in this case. Anyway, there's a lot more positive things that we can talk about, which of course we're going to do in a minute. Um, but before we, we have a we have a special guest on the What's line. What's up, we have guys? To pay this big is money. actress Jen Lily telling you What's, to tune in to Pure Gold serious? Radio. What is that? Pure Gold brings you, you amazing right guests, now? awesome interviews, and great talk radio every week. I have no Check idea. them out at puregoldpg.com. <laughs> I didn't touch nothing. <laughs> I'm Kristen Ledlow, Southeast Field reporter for Fox Sports Next, and you are listening to Pure Gold. I'm Lisa Mateo of the PIX11 Morning News in New York, and you're listening to Pure Gold. Yes, you are listening to Pure Gold, and folks, we have a special guest, a guest who cost us a lot of money to get on the show. Um, I mean, bribes were held. There was, there was uh, backdoor dealing, shady go-betweens. I mean, there was a lot of things that happened uh, to get to make this uh, work. But, you know, we talked about doing things differently in 2021 and actually doing shows. And we're going to be uh, joined by a new member of the Pure Gold team. I mean, and when I say it costs a lot of money, he paid a lot of money to get on the show because uh, right. we just, you know, we've been a two-man crew for a long time. 
ever since Todd took his take and went to the bathroom with it never came back. But, folks, we're joined by uh, the one and only, the incomparable. I mean, I don't even know how to introduce this guy because it's been so long. But uh, we have uh, our special Mets beat, well, I guess sports beat reporter, Angel, joining us all the way from the land of uh, cheese and goats and everything else. Angel, how are you doing this evening, sir? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Angel. Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, <laughs> Big so, Packers win tonight, uh, Angel. Big Packers win. I don't care about them. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> you got you got you got to you got to remember you got to remember where I'm from. I'm I'm not from this area. Just happened to land here, but yeah, I'm I'm not from here. So, uh, I mean, it's a good win for them. I mean, Aaron Rodgers looked amazing and everything, but um, unfortunately, I, I I root for the boys in blue. So there it is. There it is. Well. It's crazy, right? We have a sports report. The first thing he says, I don't care about that football game. I don't care about sports. Who cares about that? So, Angel, let's get down to it. Bottom line is, this is we're talking about this off the air for, for a little over a week now. Um, why don't you go over for the, the, listening, the millions and millions out there listening right now um, what the uh, beloved uh, New York Mets, and I say beloved because now that Steve Cohen is in, is in charge, I was, I was going to say in office because I was thinking about politics, but now that Steve Cohen has usurped the dictatorship, the actual dictatorship of the Wilpons. Um, tell us what's been going on with the Los Mets, sir. Well, I mean, like Steve Cohen himself said it, they have a lot of coals in the fire. And, and you know, it's, it's amazing that, that actually it's been coming to fruition because for years, for years as Met fans, you all you hear is they're monitoring the situation and nothing ever comes about. Or they sign the Michael Walkers of the world, but – you know, here we go. They got Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. I mean, as a Met fan, I don't know how the hell that doesn't get you happy. Well, yeah, well, I agree. I mean, I mean, when I when I heard the oh, news, uh, I went, is that all? <laughs> is that all? Are you Angel? Are you Sorry. more pumped up now that they got Francisco, or when they got Mike Piazza? What are you more pumped up about? Uh, that's tough. Because actually, the move that most post that it wasn't even Piazza that pumped me up the most. I remember um, uh, the the move that really got me excited as that as that I can compare to this was yeah. the morning when they when they picked up Carlos Delgado. Now that move right there, that 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 just that I went crazy. I mean, I love Piazza. Don't get me wrong, but at that time, this is Alicia from WSU Wrestling, and you're listening. At that time, I mean, with, with Piazza, it was like Carlos Delgado was like that piece that just you felt as though that, oh, all right, here we go. When they got Piazza, it was basically the start of something. You know what I mean? So it, it was, it was, it's a little bit different. I mean, like, like that, I, I mean, Piazza was, Piazza was, was just, that was amazing because it just came out of left field. But, um, that Delgado move after they got Martinez and and Beltran, that Delgado move was kind of like icing on the cake. All right, so, I mean, Christmas is over. What's going on here? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on with our with our board up, but, like, that was supposed to play after you finished talking, so you could say, this is what I think of when you're when you're talking about uh, Mike. <laughs> As a Mets fan, yeah. it's funny, the three of us are all Mets fans, which is great, but 
when the Mets got Mike Piazza, I remember I was so excited. I listened to Mike and Chris at the time, um, and I was so excited as a Mets fan. But Angel makes a great point. It, the Delgado move is really what put them over the top because that was like, wow, the Mets are serious. In 1998, it really was, um, wow, the Mets actually did something. I can't believe they got Piazza. But it was the beginning of something. Delgado was almost like the completion. I guess I would compare that move in a way. I mean, it's not the same magnitude because the Mets didn't win. But when the Mets got um, Gary Carter, that's the move. And Keith Hernandez was talking about that recently. That's the move. He actually he actually used it in, in a comparison with Francisco Lindor. He was saying that this move is similar to him uh, with, with the whole Carter thing. But Carter was like, now we're serious. Now let's do something. And Delgado was the same thing. It's like, all right, now the Mets are really in on this. Now, to me, I think the, the part that, that kind of gets overlooked about this whole deal is the fact that the Mets got Carrasco. Now, I was, I was looking up Carrasco's stats, and he's a heck of a pitcher. And that's not like a throw-in guy, like, hey, let's throw this bum in here or whatever, like what uh, Travis Darno was when they got R.I. Dickey. Uh, when they traded R.I. Dickey, you know, the, the main thing was, was uh, uh, what's his name? Noah Syndergaard. But here they got Lindor, who's an excellent player, who's got excellent stats. I mean, just just, just an amazing player uh, defensively and offensively. But Carrasco, Carrasco looks like it was a big part of the deal. I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, Carrasco, well, bottom line is they need pitching. And with Carrasco, you're getting a, a solid two or three. I mean, he, he can – he he can fit in the rotation anywhere, and, and he, he just makes the rotation better. But, you know, the thing with the rotation is, is we I, I don't know about you guys, but I still feel as though they, they just need another piece. I, I think – I know a lot of people won't, won't, you know, back him with his numbers and whatnot, but – See to me, I'm looking at a guy like like Walker, Walker from uh, Taijan Walker from uh, Taiwan Walker. I'm sorry, from uh, Toronto. He's young and he's got a durable arm, and I think you pair him with somebody like McCann, who's who's actually, if you look at McCann's numbers, if you want to dive into the met into the defensive metrics of things, the, the boy could call a game. I mean, I know he was um with the White Sox. I know he I know uh, Grandal was the main catcher, but Everybody who's talked about pitching to McCann loves him. I mean, they love the guy. So, you take somebody with with the upside of of Walker, who his injury history is, you know, it's you know, with a pitcher, you know, anything can happen. But I, I actually like maybe a, if you want to take a flyer, take a flyer on a guy like Odorizzi. But I, I actually I would yeah. stay away yeah. from Paxton. I I would stay away from Paxton be just for the simple fact of. Paxton hasn't put together a full season, and I, I don't, God knows how long. So, um, I just think right now, I, I, I think they still need another arm, and possibly in the pen. But I've been seeing like rumblings of trading Familia, and I think trading Familia would, uh, trading Familia and Batances would actually open up a little bit more for the payroll. So, I, I mean, okay, there's a lot of different ways mentioned... they can go with these things. But you mentioned Familia. First of all, who would who would take familiar because he's, he's got awful. And I mean, but is not coming off a great year. Exactly. It's interesting. You mentioned injury history. And I'm going to throw this out there real quick. Cause I know Joe's a huge Yankee fan, but the Yankees signed Corey Kluber. And I was reading just a couple of days ago, they were talking about that the Mets possibly taking a flyer on him, but I think he had two years straight of being injured constantly. So, I mean, that's no good, but I've always liked Odorizzi. I think that the Mets should go after him, but that's, that's my two cents. But what, 
what could they get other than maybe maybe uh, a Shake Shack burger and a milkshake at City Field? What <laughs> what in the world could they possibly get for some uh, trailer trash like Familia, who is basically Armando Benitez's uh, first cousin once removed? Well, you know, bullpen arms are at a premium, and the game shifting from. Seven eight seven eight inning starters to right now with the uh, I mean if you look at the Tampa Tampa Bay Devil Rays uh, Devil Rays if you look at the Tampa Bay Rays and <laughs> a lot of a lot of teams that are big on analytics and that's where the game is going now it's not going to a, a, a hit the ball the other way and 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 bunt and and steal those hit and runs and all that that those game that those days are long gone so right the now basically. It, yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, baseball was much better at that time, but that's just my opinion. But um, the if you if you dive into the game of baseball right now, where's where it's headed to? It's headed to a bullpen game, pretty much. With the you know they they even even if you look at the Yankees, the Yankees they they've implemented as you know the 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 game starters or whatever, and um you know bullpen games. So uh, there'll be somebody out there who'll be willing to take a risk. I'm pretty sure of somebody like Familia, just for the fact of he still he still throws in in the mid to upper 90s. He still he has a sinker, which you know when when Familia throws his sinker and he throws it, he's actually effective. So um, somebody out there, I think, in my opinion, will take a flyer on him just because he's an expiring contract as well. So, I mean, yeah. if they can get that done, I, I'd give Sandy kudos. And plus, Batances, I, I think Batances is shot. So, I mean, if you can – that right there, if you take away those two contracts, that's, a, that's roughly about $17, 18000000 and that's gold, that's $18 million more you could spend against the luxury tax. I know we get stuck on luxury tax because of the simple fact of that it was a Will Pond run team and they didn't spend no money. But um, – right. I, I, who's to say that that Cohen doesn't go over it? I mean, right now he's it's showing that he's he. I know he said, "Oh, we're not going to spend like drunken sailors." But if you look at the off season, <laughs> I, who who has spent more than the Mets? That is no, you're true. Right. I think the thing with the Mets, I think the thing with the Mets, Joe and Angel, we have to remember is that I think the main reason that the Mets will not spend like drunken sailors is because Steve Cohen spends way too much time trolling people on Twitter. And he just doesn't have time to spend all his money. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's probably the most important thing that we get out of this. But, you know, as a Mets fan, a lifelong Mets fan, when you look at the last couple of years, how, I mean, it seems like since 2015 the Mets have been complete and out of trash. Um, it's an interesting atmosphere around the Mets because, to me, 2020 was a wash. I think it was a waste of a season, whatever. But you're coming back in 2021, this new team. I mean, they got McCann. They got uh, May. They got – Lindor, they got Carrasco, and I know Angel, you had told we had talked about it all the time about them getting Lindor. And you, you were the one person who kept saying, "Oh, I, I hear this, I hear this." And I, I mean, I never thought the Mets were going to get Lindor. Honestly, I thought you were a drunken sailor when you kept bringing that up. But here we are with the Mets have made four legitimately solid to great acquisitions. I mean, there there hasn't been a bum a bum move yet. Nothing that we can complain about, and that's so rare. Because as a Mets fan, all we ever do is complain because the Mets always let us down. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it, it, it basically, like, the reason why I kept saying Lindor, Lindor, Lindor is because it, it's – Cleveland wanted to unload him. And if you look at the trade from a Mets standpoint, you get Lindor plus Carrasco. And you gave up 
Rosario, who, you know, I wish him well in Cleveland because, I mean, I, I have nothing bad to say about him as far as a person goes because he actually came to work every day, kept his mouth shut, and just did what he had to do or tried to do what he had to do. He just he just couldn't he couldn't decipher a strike zone to save his life. But um, <laughs> as far as um, Jimenez goes, you know, it kind of hurts losing a guy like that because he was just coming to his own. But, you know, these are two guys that came up through the organization. So, yeah, you know, it's sad to see him go. But – and then you throw in – oh, man, I don't even remember who they – they traded uh, Rosario, Jimenez. And it's crazy because I, now I don't even remember who they traded. So I, that's obviously a good thing. They and um, million there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. They, they could have, but Cleveland wasn't trying to take our money. But, you know, see, the thing with – this, the the thing with that was that Cleveland had to unload him, unload him, and and I felt as though that it was a perfect. You know, you have San, you have Sandy Alderson who love him or hate him, he's a savvy baseball man. I mean, there's nothing there. There's you can't take that away from him, and and it's it's clearly evident looking at Sandy now that he was definitely hamstrung by Jeff Wilpon. I mean, there's no there's no way around that, and um. Basically, that was the GM, the play, the the president of baseball ops, everything. The manager, Jeff Wilpon, was the driving force behind the team. If if you didn't listen to him, you were gone. But um, as far it, it just with the McCann move, with the Lindor move, it just falls in line to everything that that Jared Porter and Sandy Alderson talk about is getting stronger up the middle. And they accomplished that with Lindor. I mean, because uh, name, name a better defensive shortstop than Lindor. I'll wait. I mean, no, there really is. You mean other than Ray Ordonez? Yeah. <laughs> Ray Ordonez was, he was just a classic uh, <laughs> defense. He, he was all glove, no stick. But, um, but you know, it, you know, that's why it's interesting to see what they're going to do about center field because, you know, Nimmo. Nimmo's a great on-base guy. Nimmo's a table. I mean, Nimmo's another guy. He's a table setter. So I mean, you take that. He he's just the analytics-driven person's dream because the man he'll hit two seventy, two sixty, whatever, but his on-base percentage is three three eighty or better. So I mean, you need you kind of need guys like that in the lineup to balance it out. So um, you know, but Nimmo's not a good defensive center fielder. So you could stick him in left. And it's it's just I don't know about Springer because if you, if you look at Springer's stats, he hasn't played more than 84 games in center field. So is, do you, is he really a full time center fielder? And then you know with that you got Conforto's extension coming up. I mean you got Lindor, you got Noah Syndergaard, you got Stroman if you want to keep him. I mean you got all these contracts coming up, and is if you give Springer, let's say twenty twenty five a year. I mean, what's that going to do for for you know for all these future contracts? So it's just interesting to see where they go from here as far as the lineup goes. Because I think the lineup's pretty good as we speak. We just got to get. I think it just needs a center fielder because you move McNeil to second, his best defensive position, and then you know another thing that that doesn't. I don't know what's going to happen is with J.D. Davis. If you read between the lines, uh, Sandy was talking about how they got to upgrade third base. And now with this, uh, they couldn't agree on an arbitration. And it was a split of, I think, he wanted two, 2.4 something, and the Mets offered him 2.1. So it was like 375,000 split. 
I don't know. To me, I mean, I might be looking too much into this, but he kind of looks like trade bait. So I, he 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 regressed from his 2019 year, but at the same time, you can't take what the 2020 season. You you got to take that with like kind of like kid gloves because it, I don't even know why they gave out awards for that season to be honest. But yeah. you know, it's oh, a yeah. lot of it's a lot of interesting things that could pop up. I look at the team. And I know that you don't want to raid the Indians all the time, but I think we talk about the bullpen, right, Angel? And we we say that the yeah. bullpen is important. Uh, but I've learned that in the past couple of years, you know, your bullpen could be on and off, right? That's always the crapshoot is the bullpen. If you have a yep. great bullpen, you're going to get to the World Series. You're going to win the whole thing. The Yankees' bullpen the last couple of years has been good. It hasn't been great. Um, that's why, you know, Chapman twice uh, blew two series with, you know, even when you have the best closer in the game, you you know you you not guarantee you're going to win the whole thing. So I look at somebody that the, the Mets are looking into, and I, again he's on the Indians again. It looks like they're raiding the Indians, but Brad Hand would be a great acquisition for the team. Oh, definitely. I, I'm actually on on. I would love to have Brad Hand. Like like I said, I, I'll take Brad Hand, and you can never have enough pitching. And the Mets lineup is like I said. It's pretty good right now. I mean, ain't, ain't too many lineups better than the Mets lineup right now. And then, and, and, you know, with, with the Mets injury history with pitching and everything, I mean, do we really want guys like Walter Lockett or Corey Oswalt coming back to pitch? I mean, the more depth you have, the better it is. So I'm all for them, you know, getting better arms. And I guess we're going to have to live with Nimmo and maybe get a Kike Hernandez or a, a Almora to come in for, you know, Kike's Mr. Platoon so he can play anywhere. And then you have a guy like Almora or even, even though I'm not a big fan, you can bring in, you can bring back Mariznick, see what he can do in a full season or whatever. But that's why, you know, it's like everybody's pining on Springer. Springer, would I love to have him? Of course. Springer has a championship pedigree. Even though he was on the Astros, which you gotta, you know, you gotta kind of like wink at that one, but He's he's got a champion. He hits in clutch. He's he's a postseason proven performer. So would I mind having him? No. But at the same time, if it boils down to dollars and cents, like as far as like not going over and keeping guys later on, I'll take the pitching any day. Yeah, I agree. Uh, when Noah Syndergaard comes back, hopefully sometime this year, um, the Mets will have a pretty decent starting rotation. If and for me, I look at the big picture. Um, I know that Steve Cohen was the biggest change to the culture of the team. Now that we're spending, we're, we're big-time spenders. We're in the market for every player uh, possible. It's not even uh, a question about it anymore. We're, we're not the Wolpons anymore. I, I'm back to being a Mets fan because this is an owner that actually <laughs> wants to win. Um, but my, my biggest thing about the Mets is that I would designate, obviously uh, give them a shot for a couple, uh, couple weeks, but I would eventually designate – uh, familiar for assignment and never have him pitch. If if you know if he blows a couple in April or May, I, I designate him for assignment and then I would just release him. I, I would eat the money. I would also let Edwin Diaz close the first couple games. If he blows more than three games in the first couple months, I would I would release him. And then obviously Dave's going to laugh at this one, but I would pay off the contract for Bobby Bonilla if, if possible, so that that's another stink <laughs> on the Mets. I would I would not. I know that like uh, I think Cohen wants to do like some celebration at City Field on July 1st and pay Bobby Bonilla his $1 million. But I would just pay that off and get rid of the stink of that stupid contract that the coupons um, created way back when. 
Yeah, that that's definitely the Bonilla one is not the, the one I worry about. What what I worry about is next year, not this year. Next year when Cano comes back, what are they gonna do about that oh. albatross? That's what I worry about. And me personally, if they can buy them out some kind of, but the money. See, the problem with that is that the the it's still gonna the AVV is still gonna count towards the if you wanna keep talking about a salary cap or luxury tax or whatever the hell they do in baseball nowadays. It's that it's gonna it's still gonna go against the cap. But I would definitely pay him to get rid of him because he what, what he's gonna be 38. He's coming off of two PED suspensions. And that's just – it just looks like a, everything positive, everything positive the Mets been doing. Here comes this black cloud that comes back in 2022. So it's kind of like, what are they going to do? And that Bobby Bonilla situation, man. And, and I think Brett Saberhagen is still getting paid from the 90s too, if I'm not mistaken. Nobody talks about that one. Yeah, why not? I, thought they just... I mean, yeah. Yeah. Maybe he, he is. I mean, if you look it up, he is. He, I, I believe so. If you if you pull it up, I think he is still getting paid by the Mets. And that was who's owning the Mets? That it was Double Day. I think that was Double Day, and they deferred a bunch of. But that, it's common in baseball. It, it, it's a lot of guys that are still getting paid, and they're in their fifties. But the only one anybody ever talks about is the Mets because it's the Mets. You know, the Met, LOL Mets. It's it's. Everything, everything. It's amazing how we're still fans of this team when all they, all they've done is, why we even talk about them when all they ever done was just kill us. At the end of the day, all they've done is, we're all in. Yeah, let's go Mets. Blah blah blah. And at the end of the day, all we're doing is sitting there looking like, why? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? I mean, it's just always been that way. So let's see if, You're- you know, I trust the guys now. So let's see what happens. You're right, by the way. Um, the Mets are still paying Brett Saberhagen, and I had no idea that that was a thing. But they're paying the two oh, of yeah. them, which is insane. I mean, they're paying Saberhagen a lot less, but um, the deal is 250000 a year for 25 years, and it started in 2004. So the Mets still have nine years. Oh, my gosh. They have nine years more on Brett Saberhagen's contract. That is unbelievable. Just think about what we – all right, all the positive stuff the Mets are going through right now, everything that's – you know, we're all pumped. I mean, if you're – you know, you still got Mets fans out there that are, they're just complete blind and, ter- and total buffoons when they, oh, they're not making this, they're not making that. I've I seen guys get it on Twitter getting mad that the Mets didn't sign Kluber. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. The guy's 34. He hasn't pitched more than – what he hasn't made more than he made one start last year, seven starts the year before. Why are you getting mad? Because he went to the Yankees. Who cares about the Yankees? Yeah, that's another thing. Like the Mets fans, it's like they got this obsession with the Yankees. Who cares, bro? The Yankees haven't done anything since '09, and even that, all this money they spend, it they, they're clearly not spending it in the right areas. You look at the Yankees lineup. Yeah, it looks great on paper, but how often do these guys play? I mean, how often do they play together? Stanton, you can't count on him. A judge, you can't count on him. Yankees are going to self-destruct themselves. So as Mets fans, I mean, we need to worry about our team. But just think about this. Look at all this stuff. We're all around the same age. So look at all this stuff we live, we live, we live through. Vince Coleman Mets. We live through. Vince um, Coleman, firecrackers. Bobby, love it. Fire, firecrackers and bleach. Uh, Brett Saberhagen, oh, yeah. Bobby Bull. <laughs> With the Mets, it's been nothing but scandal after scandal. And then you have you have a guy. They, they, then you had complete and total 
just idiots running the franchise since for years and just driving that team into the ground. And it's amazing how you hear of, of guys like Alderson who've been there in the past and everybody, like, it's it basically saying it's like night and day. You know, Cohen's doing a lot of things as far as like the 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 front office. Just just the, it just if you want to talk about off season wins, just the front office in itself now is just a win. You hired Jared Porter, who's respected, then you turn around and get uh, Zach Scott, who's another respected man in the industry. It's like you got competent baseball people running things. So let's say they don't win. You know, I fully believe that they're being set up as a team that's going to be able to compete for years. That's one of the biggest reasons why I think Cohen went after Lindor because he's only 27. And you can that's a guy that you can build something around. So, you know, we'll see what happens. And they gave him well, – they, they made sure they gave him the contract. They gave him what? You know, MLB uh, trade rumors, they had them set up for 21-5, and they gave them 22-3. So, you know, they, obviously they're trying to keep them happy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he's already talked about that uh, if, he gets, if he does get a contract extension, he wants it done by opening day. But, I mean, listening to him talk, I mean, you know, this guy obviously he brings a lot to the team, and I think he's going to be excited. You know, he's excited to be here. And it's interesting, right? You mentioned uh, the Mets ownership and stuff, right? So Double Bay sold his stake in the team in 2002. So for 18 years, we've lived with the buffoonery of the Wilpons, and the Mets were basically only good, uh, what, in 06, 2015? Basically three or four of those years out of those 18, the Mets were any good. Most of those seasons were losing seasons. And the Mets have always had a stink about them. When you look at their team, when you look at their players, the guys that they get, you know, we talked about like a Roberto Alomar. We talked about a Carlos Baerga, guys who've come here, and that's the fear with Lindor. Guys have come here who've come to this team in big trades, and they've been awful. I don't think Lindor's going to be that place. He's too good of a player, but we thought the same thing about um, about Roberto Alomar. Look, bottom line is this. As a Mets fan, you have to admit, this is beyond a doubt, where there's, there's no comparison. The greatest Mets player of all time that we can all compare any of these guys to is Kevin McReynolds, and nobody holds a candle to McReynolds. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> No, but listen, listen, the thing, the thing with Alomar was Alomar, Alomar was coming to the team. He was 34 years old, and his back, he, he was coming with a bad back. That's what a lot of people don't for, forget or didn't realize. And then Baerga, I mean, he, I, I don't even remember how old he was, but he, he, he I don't know if this plays a, a part into it, but his skills were deteriorating before he came to the team. Yeah. And it's like I think he, he gained a, a lot of back, weight. If I'm not mistaken. He had a bad back. Too, I don't know, but I, I know I know he gained a lot of weight, and especially when he came to the Mets. But Alomar was was almost physically shot. And but you know, as Mets fans, we didn't think about that because all we thought about was the name. That's the thing. Like as Mets fans, we always want that name. That name. That's why when Piazza came, it just energized the fan base because why it was Mike Piazza it was the name. And then, you know, 06, well, it was 05, I believe. It was the off-season of 04. It was after the 04, was it? Before the 05 season when they signed Martinez and then they signed um, – uh, who else they signed? They signed Beltran. Yeah, Beltran. Beltran. I forgot about Beltran. Yeah. Uh, Beltran, well, I mean, Beltran was one of the best Met signings that – I mean, you could – even though he left his bat on his shoulder, he was still one of the best Met signings that they had. Yeah, well, and you look at the team history for sure, which goes to show you because 
considering all the all the you know the oh six like the bat on the shoulder we were talking about and just how terrible he was. Oh, that season killed me, dude. Um, oh yeah, no, that, that, those those two years were bad. But anyway, you know. The, and the then then over, they backed the, it up the with oh seven. Yeah. The yeah. Choke. Well, it's, oh, well, the collapse. Well, it's interesting, right? You talk about all the guys that the Mets have signed and, and, you know, the disasters that they've had. But, like, over the course of the franchise, there have just been so many bad moves. And the guys come here and you think, oh, so-and-so is going to be great. And then he lays an egg. Oh, so-and-so is going to be great. And then he lays an egg. Now, the, the difference between all those guys and Francisco Lindor is the fact that Lindor is is young. I mean, he's a young yeah. dude. He's not in his yeah. 30s. We talk about Cano. That was a, obviously, that was a terrible trade. On every level, but they thought oh, they we were getting Diaz, it. and they threw that in there. Well, yeah, it was bad because of the contract, but I don't think any of us knew that the Robinson Cano that the Yankees had was so was so shot and would have so many issues. But the Mets just just over the course of their history, man, you know this is going to happen. You just you just get so hyped and so pumped up, and you're always let down. You're always let down because oh, but- nobody ever lives up to the hype. But you know what's another thing that yeah. killed the Mets that that trade is that right now they could have possibly uh, uh, right now they can possibly have a center fielder in, in Kellenic. So you know it's like man, it's just like Brody, what are you doing? Come get us, right? Yeah, true. Speaking yeah, well, of that, what, yeah. what about the what about the the whole mess? Uh, with Carlos Beltran being hired and fired before he even uh, you know managed a, a single game, I think he was the fall boy uh, or the fall guy for for what happened yeah. in Houston. Uh, but unfortunately, I, I thought he would have been a good manager. Luis Rojas was given a second uh, another opportunity. Would you have kept Beltran as your manager, or would you, because of uh, public pressure, fired him like the Mets did? Well, I don't. I, you can't knock him too much for that because you know, like I, it, it was, you know, if if you remember, well, I mean, I, mean, I know we're all trying to forget this, but the Wilpon <laughs> Mets were all about the Wilpon Mets were all about image. They were all about they 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 were all about PR. They were all about you know trying to do the right thing, even though they screwed everything up. Their, their the image their image in the in the press was more important to them than than the product on the field. So with with them with them firing Beltran, I I can't really knock them for the simple fact that Beltran was a rookie manager and you didn't know what you were getting out of that. So it, it's kind of like take it or leave it type of thing. But should they give him another shot? I don't know. I was more pissed at the Mets for firing Elgardo Alfonso as the as the manager than I was as, as them as as the big uh, who a Brooklyn manager. The Cyclones. Like yeah. the, I was after winning. Yeah, I was more. By the way. Yeah, I was more pissed about that than than them actually firing Beltran. So yeah, I think that was a terrible move. I don't know how the hell. I actually wanted them to give bring him back in the organization as the bench coach, but they went with the. Uh, with uh with Jaws. They went with Jaws, so I guess they went with him because of familiar familiarity with um with Rojas, but as Beltran, like I said, I, I'm I can't really knock him for that one. But at the same time it was kinda like he was the fall guy and he shouldn't have been because they had already fired uh Cora, they 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 got rid of Cora, they got rid of uh the general manager, so yeah, yeah. I mean but Beltran was the player who wasn't. That's the, here's the thing: if Beltran was still playing, they wouldn't have touched him. 
So that they, with because right. of the MLBPA, they, they didn't touch none. They didn't touch none of the Astro players. They didn't. They didn't give Altuve any any, any slack. They didn't get a. They didn't give um what's the the third Bregman. They didn't say anything. And I guarantee you, all these guys were using that. Even J D Davis on the Mets. He he was even, he was even named in that. So, I mean, if he was playing, they wouldn't have touched him. That that's where the that's where the part is that the whole totally all messed up part about this with, and this falls on baseball. It doesn't fall on the Mets. This this is this is on. This is on the commission all day. That's why I'm happy that um that Theo actually is getting into the into the commissioner's office because he he it's a possibility that he'll be the next commissioner. They got to get Manfred out of there. He he's just an idiot. Oh, yeah, I'm he's sorry. Terrible. He's well, terrible. I mean, they're they're talking about did, did did you guys see that they're that they're uh that they're bringing they're talking about bringing back well actually they are going to have the seven inning doubleheader games again and that runner on second base crap for extra innings so the, the game of baseball is just they're just toying with it and and, and it's it's just a simple game it doesn't baseball in, in all its intricacies and everything baseball is just a simple game and you, there's really nothing you need to do to mess with it. Now they're trying to tinker. They're trying to do all these things, the pace of play and all this stuff. The pace of play issue started when they started, when 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 starters started pitching five innings. That that's when you started seeing longer games. So. Yeah. I'm well, you mentioned the bullpen, and that's why it's a bullpen game now. Uh, sorry, Joe. What were you gonna say? No, I was gonna say you guys realize that we're reaching, we're, we're coming up to the 35th anniversary of our last championship. Uh, I don't uh, even remember well, the first one. <laughs> wow. yeah, the, the, that's, that's a good point. It said, you know, the Mets have done this thing, and I noticed I'm all about numbers, and they won their first one, lost their second, um, won their third, lost their fourth, and then when 2015 came along, I was like, oh, the Mets are going to win. They're going to keep the tradition going. Nope, they lost their third. So now they're two and three in, uh, when it comes to World Series. Look, I just think that Angel made a point earlier, which I, I agree with. I think the bottom line, when you look at the Mets as its franchise, They've turned a corner. They're not the same old mess. They're not the same old mess, which is why I really have high hopes for Lindor and Carrasco in this season. But there's a, there's a different air, uh, an aura about the Mets. So I think that they, if they can be sustainably good for the next 10 years, um, you know, not, they're not going to win a championship every year. they got to win at least one or two. But, um, I mean, hell, I had this conversation with, with someone the other day. I mean, what the what the Braves did in the 90s, uh, every year they were in it. I mean, I'd hate to lose every single season like the Braves did other than in 95, but, I mean, I want a championship. By hook or by crook, mm-hmm. whatever they have to do, if they have to steal signs, I don't care, juice, whatever they got to do, if they have to pay off the commission, I want them <laughs> to get at least one title, but I would like them to be sustainably good where it's not – let's be honest, the Mets fans, every year it's a crapshoot, and every year people are getting said, oh, the Mets are going to be good this year. I never think that. I always think they're going to be awful, and I'm never wrong. But I want them to be just four, five, six, seven years of, you know, in it, you know, winning records and in the playoffs. And, uh, hell, at this point, you guys realize that the Mets have never been in the playoffs more than two years in a row. And I think they only did two years in a row once or twice in their history. I mean, that that's sad. That's absolutely sad. You want you, you to hear another? You want to hear another mind-blowing stat? The okay. Yankees have not had a sub-500 season since 1992. Think wow. about that for a second. The last yep. season that the Yankees were under 500 was 1992, I believe. You don't have to quote me on that, but I was listening to uh, who was it? 
I don't even know why I was listening. It was just on that day, and I was driving home from work, and I had Evan and and Carlton on, and uh, he, yeah, they actually came, yeah, they they actually had that uh, that stat that said that that uh, that um, uh, what's his name? I think Carlton came up with it. He said uh, that the Yankees haven't had a losing season since 1992. In almost 30 years. That's that's just nuts. That's nuts. I think I mean, George I, was I, out of the organization at the time. If I'm not mistaken, I don't think Sam Brennan was there. I know they built him. No, nah, he was still they, there. They winning in that. Was he? Because he was gone. He was gone yeah, for he was a while. There. And then we – okay, because well, he came back, and then I know Show Walter was the manager in 95, and then they almost made the World – you know, in the 96, of course, is when they won their, their first – No, I think it was Stump, Stump Merrill. I think Stump Merrill was their manager. In that, wait, no, but I'm talking about I'm, – I'm saying going forward because in 95 – when the Yankees started to really turn a corner was 95. Um, Cause you got to remember before 96, the Yankees hadn't won a world series since like 78. They lost in 81 to the Dodgers. And then they had all those losing years, the, the terrible, the lean years as it were. And George ended up out of the game and then he came back and, you know, you had Gene Michael and all that. So I, I just want the Mets to have some sort of simil- similitude with the Yankees in the sense of like, I'd love to say five years from now, wow, the Mets have had five winning and that's sad. The Mets have had five straight winning records because when when the the loathsome Terry uh, whatever the hell that guy's name was that old Terry Terry Collins I can't stand him the fact that he's the longest tenured Mets manager in history bothers me to no end and I will never get over that because he is an well, we all know why though he's a terrible manager we yeah, all know why yes because he was terrible. a yes man yeah uh, yeah but you know he had one of the greatest sound bites ever. <laughs> <laughs> that when when uh that, that one against the Dodgers when uh, Noah threw behind uh was it Chase Utley <laughs> and, and then you had Terry Collins out there just sounded like Joe Pesci it was hilarious. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean the that's, thing with that's him one is of the greatest sound bites. I'm gonna throw a wrestling reference out there here since we're talking about this. The fact that um Davey Johnson doesn't have that record, it's almost like. When uh, CM Punk had that, you know, 434-day whatever title reign with the WWE, and then just to erase the stink of CM Punk and the bad taste he left in their mouth, they left the title on Brock Lesnar for like 500 days, and Brock was there once a once every six months. It's almost the same thing with Terry Collins, where you know Davey Johnson was this controversial figure in Mets history, and he was a great manager. Obviously, he was a winning manager. And then when you look he at him, he was a terrible manager. Um, Davey Johnson. Davey John, bro, Davey John, look at that Mets team in the eighties. Okay. The late okay. that Mets team was stacked, stacked right, until so Cashman took them apart. Say, what I was gonna, Cashman, by the way, not Cashman. What I was gonna say, well, whatever, was you 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 mentioned like Carlton. Uh, you mentioned the 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 Mets. In the I history. just couldn't say his name was, for a second. Craig Carton, the great Craig Carton, he's awful. But the fact that the he's Mets, terrible. Uh, and this is all you need to know, all you need to know about the Mets and their history is this: Daryl Strawberry and Dwight Gooden contributed more to Yankees championships and multiple Yankees championships than when they were with the Mets. That's all you need to know about how things were wrong. Two of the greatest players to ever grace the Mets uniform, and of course, drugs messed them up. But then somehow they go to the Yankees, and they're a part of multiple championships. Not not the the stars that they were. But that's all you need to know. And David Cohn and all these guys who were ex-Mets, somehow they helped more Yankees uh, championships come to, buy, come to be than, uh, than the Mets. So yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. But, uh, and you know what's crazy? They had their greatest years with the Mets. That's just, that's, oh, I that's know. just amazing. I know. That's, that's what I'm saying. 
That's the crazy. But thing. yo, that's the thing. Um, <laughs> that's the thing. Davy Davy Johnson was not. If if we look now that I'm older, back then I I didn't I didn't um I didn't realize what the hell was going on. But like if you looking at it as uh, as you get older and you looked how Davy managed, but can, you know how many times. Uh, Jesse Orozco or um, uh, or Roger McDowell were out there for four or five innings as relief pitchers at a time, <laughs> multiple days back to back. It was like it was amazing how they used to do things back in the day. It's like now 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 you got you you don't even got relief pitchers who pitched three batters. I mean, it, it's it's crazy. It's just good. Pitch counts weren't a thing, which I mean, it's all good because you got to preserve these guys' arms, but. Uh, it's just Davy Johnson at that time. It, my, see, because my first memories, like that, I can actually remember, were the Mets losing in '88. Oh, that killed me. Oh yeah. I remember I was Good a kid. Time. I was I was like like third grade or something, and and they were like I remember just being depressed, <laughs> just just being sad, and 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 then you know going out with my brother and playing infielders and outfielders and stuff like that just to get my mind off of it. But um, it, it's just it's amazing how how you know it, how everything's come like back to square one with this team. Like we like I said, we all have been fans. We've all yeah. we've all just lived and died with this team. And I, I mean, you can ask Dave. I've told him in the past. I'm like, man, I don't care for this team until the Wellpons sell them. Oh, yeah. When the Wilpons sell. Then you know it's like because they're ruining this team. They were just ruining Jeff Wilpon. Just every time, every time his face just just came on the screen, I just wanted to RKO his ass. I mean seriously, it's like I, I couldn't just stand him. I just because you know. And another thing, like I don't know if you guys realize, if you re, if you read uh, uh, Pedro Martinez's book, how. This is another thing that kind of derailed them in the 06 season. It was 2005, I believe. It was the end of the season. Meaningless game for the Mets. Martinez was hurt. He had some kind of injury, and he didn't want to go out there and pitch. And Jeff Wilpon, you know, basically demanded for him to pitch, for him to go out there because it was a late-season game and they wanted to put fans in the stands because they wanted him to pitch. And it basically ruined him for the following season just for the simple fact that he wanted him to pitch so fans could come could, could sit a meaningless game in 05 mind you 05 they were they, they were garbage and they they he he just demanded him he said either you can either pitch or you or or you what he told him was is that you whatever as long as i'm running this team you have to do as i say i mean that goes to show you right there that it's like you know, as an employee, if those, if there was one of these times where you wanted to just drop kick your boss, that was one of them. You yeah. know, it's 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 it, it, that just and 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 Dave could tell you, it's like I'm so sick of this team because of and it wasn't the players because they actually they actually had some likable players, and it's like it was just because of the ownership. It just they they were like a black hole, and it just it was venom. And like Dave, Dave mentioned earlier, he said, you know, he don't care if he he want he wants the Mets to be Eddie Guerrero. You know, he wants them to just lie, cheat, and steal. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, Absolutely. he he was he was the Guerrero. I mean, you couldn't do that with the Wilpons because they just they, the Wilpons would not 
make that move to play. That's why I was shocked that they when when they um, traded for Cespedes in 2015. Uh, that was. Oh yeah, that was kind that of a like that. Game. That was one of those moments. I remember I, I called David. I was like, "Man, can you believe this?" I, I was like, I, "I don't believe like they actually got Cespedes, but yeah. we all know how that turned out." Though, yeah, I was gonna say when you look at Cespedes, you look at how it turned out. That's that's the key. It went so bad. Once <laughs> they actually signed him, it went straight down the toilet. But that 2015 year, I mean, he could have literally and he almost carried them to a World Series championship. I mean, just like the 2000 World Series. And just like 06, I mean, I feel like the Mets could have – the Mets could have – 73, they were never going to win. But I feel like the Mets could have, like, four championships on their uh, mantle instead of just the two because uh, – actually, five. Because they could have – they could have won – 06, they would have they would have destroyed the Tigers. We already know that. But in 2000, you know, with Timo Perez, and then when you have what happened in 2015 with the Mets and the Royals, the Royals were a great team. But the Mets could – the Mets had some of those games. It just there's a lot of things that have gone wrong for the Mets, but I, they did. but I feel like finally, finally things are turning around, and um, well, you know, yeah, I that's think what we that got to focus time, on. Oh yeah, it's time for the Mets to, to you know to move on, and they've got Porter, they've got Sandy, um, they've got they've got Steve Cohen trolling people on Twitter. I mean, there's just there's a lot <laughs> of uh, exciting things, and and to be a Mets fan, so for for the first time. And honestly, I can't even remember, probably since 2015, just because they went to the World Series. I haven't been excited about the Mets in a long time. I just have not cared. Living where I live now, especially where the Mets are not my primary market as far as watching games, I mean, I've, mm-hmm. just, I've, I've lost interest. I've lost so much interest in them, and it's finally like, wow, there's excitement. And then with all these moves, all the moves the Mets have made this offseason, you know, they've been, they've been good to great to, like, out of this world. And there's just so much more to come. I'm just hoping that they'll be able to uh, to capitalize on that. And I mean, we don't know what 2021 is going to look like with fans or anything like that. But I hope the Mets uh, the Mets lay the smackdown on all on all those people, and I hope they get the five donuts for all those pieces of trash who are coming to, to City Field. Well, if, if you know when the Mets, if if let's say for instance they're talking about starting a season on time right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm planning on going to the three game set, and I, I can't remember a time where I ever said, "Hey, the Mets coming to town." Ever since I lived out here, I, I haven't said, yeah. "Hey, Mets are coming to town." Uh, I'm going. I, I mean, I went to a game. I went to a game or two here and there. But yeah. it, it's well, I like, would do the same thing here you, in Atlanta. I would go to the Braves and, and see the Mets there. Of course, I watched I watched the Mets lose two heartbreaking games. And I'm there with yeah, my kids, that. and I'm like, why do I, why do I drag my family out here for two hours to watch this trash? But it's funny because you mentioned, yeah. you mentioned uh, being out there in Milwaukee, right? So you got Miller Park. I've been to Miller Park. It's a nice stadium. And all we need to know, and just to kind of end on the terribleness of the Wilpons, all you need to know about how bad the Wilpons are is look at their stadium. Look at City Field. I've been to SunTrust Park. SunTrust Park is beautiful. It's everything City Field should have been from the beginning. There's, there's Greg Maddox. There's Tom Glavin. There's uh, Hank Aaron. There's Dale Murphy. There's every great Brave you can ever think of. John Smoltz everywhere, all over the place. It's just Brave-centered. It's a beautiful park. It's in a great place. And they built, like, an entire uh, city around it, essentially, with stores and everything. Then you go to City Field, and you see, not, especially for the, well, for the first few years, nothing mess. You got the Jackie Robinson rotunda. Really? Why didn't they just put the Willie Randolph rotunda? Oh, wait, no. Willie played for the Mets, and he managed them. Why didn't they just put the Satchel Page rotunda? I mean, it just doesn't even make sense. The fact that the Mets stadium that they built was not Mets-centered, and then you look at uh, Milwaukee, great park. You look at uh, Atlanta, beautiful ballpark, and Yankee Stadium. Every stadium, 
the Mets are the only team that would have had that. So I'm hoping that in like five years, um, Steve Cohen makes his own stadium and takes down City Field and calls it like you know the shit. No, but but you look at City Field. uh, City Field, if you look at it, you know, looking at it, going to a game, looking at it as a ballpark, City Field is beautiful. It's just that it's so because of because of because of because of your boy Fred Wilpon. He was such a Brooklyn Dodger fan growing up. He he wanted to dedicate this this because he basically made it as a shrine to Ebbets Field. And and not only oh, yeah. that, he he was such he was such a Dodger fan that oh yeah let's honor uh, Jackie Robinson and which is another thing is like you you honor like it's crazy with the times that are going on and everything that all right let's take last year for example you honor Jackie Robinson right you're okay with that why because he's he's just a famous he's the first famous black ball player and then last year with all this social injustice stuff and everything that was going on. Jeff Wilpon, <laughs> I can't even make this up. Jeff Wilpon wanted them to to go on the field, take a knee, leave, and then come back. Remember, that's the type of stuff that um that that Brody got in trouble for because he thought that it was the the commissioner's idea when it was actually Jeff Wilpon's. So it, it, it's kind of like it's kind of like you honor you honor somebody and then all of a sudden all this stuff happens and you kind of like I, I mean I don't want to get into all that because I you yeah. know I don't I don't well, I don't want to dive this. into race relations and all that crap. Look, the bottom line is this: the guy who should be in that rotunda is Tom Seaver, and the fact that he's now dead yes. and the Mets still Agreed. don't have a Tom Seaver statue or anything to me, it, it's just a joke. You know that that guy was the franchise. The, the biggest mistake the Mets ever made was was trading him, and he should have been the one honored there. But you know the Mets, are, yes. the Mets of of old were going to Met, and that's what they did. But anyway, um, you know now it's time to turn the page, and the Mets are hopeful they'll have a good 2021, and Lindor will lead the Mets to six or seven or eight straight championships. I basically want the Mets to be what the Bulls were in the 90s, where you know win three in a row, take two years off, win three more. I mean that's that, that's not asking for too much, I don't think personally. But I'm hoping the Mets can win at least a title or two, so I can tell my kids, see, you see, daddy's daddy's not a loser. Daddy's in the room for losing teams always. Like look and see, the Mets are gonna be good, and my kids are not. Be- see, I have my kids doing the tomahawk chop in my house and basically saying, let's go Braves because the Mets are so terrible. I mean, how sad is that? Hey, but listen, like, see, with the basketball reference, I mean, it's a little easier to do it in basketball because you got less guys. You got to, like, baseball is hard, man, because you got, you got, uh, in basketball, you can win on, on, on individual statistics. I mean, look at LeBron. I mean, look at, uh, look at Jordan back in the day. Look at, uh, you, you got guys that can carry a team. You know what I mean? You got, uh, like, look at nowadays, you got, just, just here in Milwaukee, you got Giannis. I mean, he's he's unstoppable, but he can't shoot a free throw. So with the basketball <laughs> reference, I see where you're going. But if you wanna if you wanna have like any type of model that you can that you wanna that you wanna model yourself after, you could just look at the New England Patriots in their years. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's more it's more of a team game, and it's more of a just just the level of of success that they that they just sustained over the years is remarkable. I mean, you and but see, in football, a coach is more important than a manager is in baseball. So it's oh, yeah. like, and it's hard. It's hard to keep guys healthy 
like all your your all, all it's kind of hard to keep guys healthy for 160. Baseball just has too long of a season. If they shorten oh, yeah, it to 150 absolutely. games, 140, I'll be fine with that. I mean, 162 is kind of like overkill, but you know, it's just the way it's always cool. been. Another thing, another thing that that what do you guys feel about the 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 DH in the National League? I'm all for it. Well, t- uh, real quick, just you mentioned the season, right? 162 games. It used to be 154 back when Babe Ruth and these guys yeah, were playing. Yeah. And I think even later than that, they should just go back to 154 and call it a day and just make the playoffs longer or do something to make up the revenue. As far as the DH, I personally am for it. I always have, and I think it's a joke that the National League is the only, pro- is the only, basically the only professional league in all of baseball in the entire world that allows the pitchers to pitch. And I know you, you, you and I have talked about this off the air, Joe, but, I mean, what do you think? Do you think that it's about time that, that the NL should do the DH? I mean, hell, everybody else is doing it. Why not? I think you said the pitchers are allowed to pitch. I think they are allowed to pitch, yes. And uh, <laughs> hit, you fool, hit. You shut your okay. mouth. You said pitch. You said pitch. <laughs> well, you know, guys, just so that you both understand where I'm coming from, this is what I said about you. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Joe, continue. Yes, the DH is uh, long overdue in the in the NL, and I think that I think they will institute that next year. I think, right, uh, Angel? Not this year. No, no. For what they're saying, if you look at what guys like uh, like all the beat writers are saying, uh, Rosenthal and all those guys, yeah, then Ols and Buster Olney, they're they're talking about that it, that it's going to be a go, that they're actually going to do it. Because I guess last year. They actually agreed to it for 2020 and 2021. I think the owners just want, you know, because it's all about money. So, you know, yeah. I think the owners want the extra playoff teams, and I don't know if the MLB uh, MLBPA wants that. So it's it's a matter of negotiation. But I think it is actually this year going to be a go. And here's the thing, guys, is that the CBA is up after this year. So it's kind of and, – and you know how these guys are always fighting about everything. And right now it's like if, if you know, if, if one side concedes to another or they both come into agreement, that bodes well for the future. Now we have infighting constantly now. I wouldn't be surprised to see a lockout or a strike next year. But with the, with the DH, the problem is is that a lot of baseball fans and a lot of baseball writers are older people. And I was talking to my dad about this. And he says, I don't, I don't want the DH. I don't want the DH. That sucks. Blah, blah, blah. The, the, the DH sucks. You know, they need to have the pitchers hit. See, and, and you know, my dad's mentality is what a lot of a lot of baseball fans or, or older writers or whoever the case may be, that's their mentality, that they want to keep, oh, baseball's a game, and they got to keep it this. But little do they know is that baseball's been changing right in front of their eyes for, like I said, you know, like we were talking about earlier, the hit and run, like the the little nuances of the game have changed big time. So I mean, might as well. I, I'm all for it because Met, the Mets are one of the teams in the National League that it benefits the most. But not just because oh, of that; it's just more exciting. It, it's more exciting. It, it's you don't have you don't have to have an automatic out every every game. Right. Well, the funny thing is the Mets are one of the teams that actually have pitchers that can hit, and they can also pitch, by the way. Which is it's a good thing, but that's, the fact that the Mets thing. have have guys like Syndergaard and um, guys like uh, Degrom, Degrom, you know, who can actually hit, which is interesting. But honestly, and the Mets have always Cohen, they've always had guys who could hit. 
But honestly, it would be more exciting. You have Alonzo, you could just make him your permanent DH, basically, which should extend his career, and then get him off the field and then put Dom Smith or whoever or Keith Hernandez, get him out of retirement, John Olerud, whatever, put somebody else at first base, and the Mets could have a much more, uh, you know, complete team in that sense. So I'm all for it. I think it's about time. I think it's about time that the National League let the pitchers pitch and then let the other guys hit. I mean, that's the way that it should be. And uh, hopefully that will happen. Blue's an angel. Let the pitchers pitch. Yeah, exactly. Let them pitch. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on the air. Um, the show's going to end in a few, so um, we're going to, you know, we're going to call it, uh, call it quits, and you know, lay, lay some smackdown and, and Rudy Poo and all that before we go. But sir, it's a pleasure, and hopefully we'll have some more exciting Mets news to talk about or sports-related stuff, uh, you know, coming up as we try to do a show on a semi-regular basis and uh, not do what we've been doing for the past four years, which is like every once in a while we come out of witness protection and do a show. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, don't be su- don't be surprised if you get Brad Hand in the next couple of days. Just just saying. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be I, great. That would be awesome. All right, sir. You have a wonderful evening, and uh, thanks, of course, for coming on. And uh, the checks in the mail. All right, guys. Let's go Mets, and uh, thanks for having me on. Take care. All right. Oh, too soon. Angel, one last thing before you go. Go to hell. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> you should play that Vince yeah. McMahon sound bite. Why don't you play that one? Oh. I don't think that I have that. I need to get no, it. No, no, he no. Knows, he knows which one I'm talking about. <laughs> which? Yeah, I, I got to I got to We actually don't have. We need to get some Vince McMahon sound bites. But, sir, thanks again, and you have a good one. All right, bro. Take care. Later. Both of you guys, take it easy. Stay you safe. You too. You too. Folks, that was the one and only Angel calling in from, uh, from Wisconsin, probably stealing somebody's shoes out there. Who knows? Uh, it was a pleasure, of course. And I, I gotta, I gotta admit, sir, I'm disappointed. You went heel on me there. You're supposed to cover me. You're not supposed to point out the erroneous uh, errors and egregious things that I do. But uh, I see how it is. I see you're already, uh, you're already going with new ownership and turning on me for a new tag team partner. Unbelievable. Well, the minute I say that the Democrats are going to take over the judicial branch, you're all over me. So. <laughs> no, that that is true. I just thought that was so so atrocious, like Joe Biden's presidency will be, that I just couldn't let that go. But anyway, sir, um, that was quite a quite a chat we had there with Angel. I mean, he was on the air for almost an hour, which is which is a record. I mean, he's he's gonna have to start paying for airtime next time, sir. But uh, yeah, some definitely. good stuff there. Where we're kind of able able to cover everything. So I think at this point we don't even need to have him ever come back on the show again because that's, there's nothing else to talk about. <laughs> That's it with Angel. It's funny how most of our guests are named Angel. <laughs> oh, that is that. <laughs> well, most of the people who call on the show, yeah, pretty much. That is funny. Um, I mean, either that or they're, you know, Jewish or Italian, but that's neither here nor there. But, sir, yeah. um, you know, definitely a good show today. And uh, we, we, I don't think we've talked this much Mets. And I can't even tell you how the last time we spoke about the Mets for this long, first of all, in a positive light. But second of all, True. just in general, we haven't talked about the Mets that much. It was probably 2015 you know? at this point. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right, which is crazy to me because you would think, you know, you would think that the Mets, um, with everything going on, us both being Mets fans or whatever, but, you know, right. bottom line is uh, we're we're excited to see where the Mets go and, and what they do going forward, and I think it's going to be good, sir. I really do. I, I agree. New ownership means new – New attitude, new culture. I love it. Yeah, I, I agree, sir. Um, so, uh, anything else before we uh, close out this awesome show? No, no, we'll be doing regular shows. I'll, I'll have, I'll save some of my content for next one. It, it could definitely carry over to the next show. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, that, that'll be good. And, I, and I'm looking forward to it. I really do want to get the show kind of off on uh, on a regular basis and, and get things going. I just think that, you know, it, it's it's fun to do. It's fun to kind of touch base and do different things. And if we can get Todd yep. to come back on and just rip him a couple more times, because I definitely need a bathroom <laughs> break, so we need to get some more Todd Stakes going, sir. You got it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, folks, thank you so much for listening. All the, the millions out there. I mean, this is this will probably be our highest rated show ever, but thank you guys for listening. Ever. And uh, hopefully, however, we'll get some callers and some people calling in. But, um, folks, it definitely it definitely has been a pleasure for sure. What's the name of your show? Uh, pure Gold. Pure Gold. Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> Gold. You guys are awesome. Indeed we are. Have a good night, everyone. Good night. Woo! Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.